stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off the Bench podcast. Now, this week I want to talk about disability, and in particular, um, being a mum having a kid with a disability. So, no, not me, but my guest today is Jessica Evans. And you may also know Jess through Gippsland people, Will. She's also the owner of the Makeup Hub in Gippsland and works full time at Triple M. She's a mother of twins, Carter and Chase and also um, a young daughter, Havana. But one of the twins, Carter, uh, has cerebral palsy, and this seemed to have happened at birth. And she talks a lot about, you know, um, acceptance and how we can better support people with disabilities and the impact that it's having on her life as a mother uh, with absolute full totally in full love, totally in love with her kids and totally in love with Carter. But the stress of it is, and the, the, you know, and how much she has to do to simply keep a kid with a disability on track is, is a lot of hard work. So, you know, and, and talking as a mother of some of the challenges in raising a child with cerebral palsy and or at least anyway, with a kid with a disability, Sometimes it's, um, you know, other people may overlook this and other people expect different things of her, but it's actually a tough job and nobody's crying poor or wanting pity, but, you know, to have that awareness and understanding and a bit of empathy for what it's like, I think that this episode's a really great one for really sort of considering, oh, my God, you know, I didn't realise that. I didn't, it's never crossed my mind that you might have to deal with that. And I think that hopefully it'll, I don't know, help people to extend a little bit more kindness out into the world. So let's get on with it. Let's introduce Jessica. Welcome, Jess. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's, um, you know, today we're going to talk about disability and, and kids with disability and, you know, how we, well, I hope we're going to talk about this, you know, how we need to improve, improve things around the community, you know, to make it more inclusive and more accessible and that sort of stuff. And, and, and also for you as a mum, you know, not expecting that, you know, what's it like? So, um, and you also uh, own a business as well as having three kids, all under eight, so all eight and under. So, oh my God, you <laughs> talk about getting off the bench. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm really glad you've joined us today to open up this um, topic that sometimes, often, more often than not, doesn't get enough attention. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Basically, I'm just like honoured to be here today. So, thank you. Um, and I never thought in my life that I'd be an advocate for a disability. So here we are. Isn't it funny how, you know, we can have all these plans for our life, but uh, the universe or, or whatever you want to call it, I don't know, some people say God, some people say the angels, some people say blueprint, whatever the hell it is. Is It's funny how, um, you know, life just throws these things at us. And I truly believe that we don't get them thrown at us unless we're capable of managing them, you, you know, and... Yeah, my nan says that to me all the time. <laughs> yeah, although I don't think it's in our plan very often. We kind of yeah. want to, all of us want a nice smooth running life, you know, and it yeah. um, doesn't always turn out like that. Tell us about like before you had the twins, you know, obviously you, you know, you're with your partner, you're just thinking we'll have a baby and, you know, you've got, uh, you know, that idealistic kind of life, do you know, we'll have a baby and they'll be so nice and blah, blah, blah. So like, how did you imagine your life was going to look when you first knew you were having a baby? 
Um, so we actually were pregnant um, with one child um, and then had a um, like miscarriage at 12 weeks oh. and then six weeks later got pregnant with the twins. So I kind of feel like I was given that one back, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, and I had a dream that I was having twins and Ben was like, well, you know, you're not, you know, and we were at the baby shop mucking around with double prams and he's like, you know, you're not. Um, so I actually had a bit of a bleed at six weeks and um, they did an internal scan and there was two heartbeats. And so we were having, to, it was crazy. Um, so we were super thankful because, you know, um, most women get to have a child, um, but, you know, you're very lucky if you get to have two in one kind of thing and double yoga. So, um, you know, it was, you know, super excited, but I did have um, like a bled a bit and I was on kind of bed rest and, stuff like that. Um, but the twins were, I did expect them to come early, but the twins were fine inside. So there was no issues with Carter prior to birth. Um, and at 28 weeks, my water broke. Um, and because I'd never done it before, I was kind of like, oh, well, like it'll be fine. But now I'm like, well, that's really early. Yep. Um, and then so I was in uh, Clayton Hospital for two weeks on bed, like kind of like bed rest. So I basically was not in labour, but I like water had like leaked, like punctured, I suppose. So I just kind of had like water leaking for two weeks. Um, and then they induced me at 30 weeks. Um, and I obviously had never done it before. And they had a big room full of people um, for cesarean and stuff like that. And they asked if I wanted a natural or cesarean. And obviously I wanted a natural. So we went down and did that. Um, and Carter came out 1.3 kilos. So it was like a chicken fillet, so two pounds. And Chase came out 2.2. So Carter came out um, and then they used forceps on him. Um, and as you can imagine, a chicken fillet's like tiny. Um, forceps are made for like fully grown heifers. Um, so didn't think anything of it at the time. Uh, and then um, Chase came out breech and um, again, and they kind of like took them away and put them in the cribs and because um, they were quite lifeless I suppose you'd say mm. um so you know we were at Ronald Mack house like it was all the you know it was you know we experienced everything in this first pregnancy that you know people don't even know about so like you know you speak of Ronald Mack house and you know you, you think oh that's great but until you actually experience it it's incredible so um then they were tube fed so again I had to like express and like save the milk and then they'd feed them like tube fed so again I didn't get to like breastfeed um, and then to get them out of hospital, they needed to be bottle fed or breastfed for two, 24 hours, I think. Um, and then I had to wake them up every three hours to um, like feed them so that they could put on the weight and stuff like that. So we were in hospital for seven weeks. Um, they were in hospital. Um, so they were due on the 7th of January and they came on the 29th of October. So, wow. Uh, yeah. So uh, when you have a preemie baby, they... Um, so Carter came out because of the forceps, he had a fat lip, a black eye and kind of a bit bruised. And they just said, oh, that's from the forceps. Um, and when you um, have a preemie baby, they do like a full body scan on them. So on day three, we got called into like with all the doctors and they said, oh, look, um, twin A, they called him, um, which is Carter. Twin A has got um, a bleed on the brain um, and he you know, that twin a, twin B doesn't, but twin A does. And I said, oh, what, what does that mean? And they said, oh, um, it means that, like, you know, he could be behind in reading or writing kind of thing. So I was like, oh, whatever, I'll just get a tutor or something. Like, it'll be fine. Um, and then they they said, and I said, what do you mean, like a trauma? I don't know what that means. And they said, like a, like a football player having a trauma to the head. And I was like, okay, so he hasn't been playing football so like it's from birth like um and then they said what side is the bleed on they said the left and then um sorry it was the right side and they said um and I said well it's from the forceps he's got a black eye kind of thing oh no 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 it's not from the forceps so they were a bit you know they were careful with what their what their words were um so they said they dropped the cerebral palsy word and obviously like um when, and this is why I like to do this, when, this is like why I'm advocate, advocating for disability, is when I was at school, everybody was a retard. That's mm. what the word was, you know. Um, I was not educated at school. Uh, cerebral palsy kid and an autism kid, 
they were just retards. They weren't cerebral palsy autism. Um, obviously, like, you know, you would hear kids, like, saying that to people that are a bit different at school and, um, you know, I, like, I'd always stick up for those kids as well at school. But, you know, no, it wasn't educated. So when I got told that my son had cerebral palsy, I had zero idea what this that disability was. Mm. Like, I knew what autism was and, I, you know, you know what Tourette's is and because you just see it on the movies or whatever. Mm. But I had zero idea. So I Googled it up and, you know, you shouldn't Google stuff. Um, and, <laughs> and, you know, and this is the thing with cerebral palsy, it's a massive umbrella and you might have your cerebral palsy person that has like the, the bent hand like that or you might have your cerebral person that's like tube fed in a wheelchair or that can be in a wheelchair and walk on a walker and I'm like, well, which one's mine going to be? Mm. So back in the back back then, because that was, you know, nearly eight years ago, they would never diagnose cerebral palsy until the kid had turned two till it was supposed to meet its milestones. So I was like, well, it's all about what I did read was it was about early intervention. So I had a friend at Monash that I took the brain scans to and on his lunch break, he went to the neurologist and said, hey, can you take a look at this brain scan? And the neurologist at Monash said, with the significant size of the bleed on his brain, he will, won't be able to walk or communicate ever. So at four months old, we found that out. Um, and, you know, it's so funny because at school they're like, don't have sex because you'll get pregnant and have a baby. <laughs> and it's just not that, it's just not like that in, in that, that way. It's like another world. And another thing, no one ever goes, no one ever says, oh, damn it, I didn't get a disabled kid when I have a baby. Mm. You know, they never say that. Yeah. So, you know, you always hear about people saying, I just want a healthy baby. You know, you had, you know, I want blonde hair, blue eyes, and people just say, I just want a healthy baby. And, and like, I get it now. Like, mm. it's crazy what goes on in there and what can happen to, to your children. Yeah. And so you were expecting, and I hate the word normal because I think the word normal is like yeah. a, you know, setting on the washing machine, but you're expecting, you know, a life with just two happy, bouncy twins that would grow up with no issues. And well, except when they get to teenagers, because bloody hell, that that's horrible, no matter whether they got a disability or not. But at least they're not. At least they're not teenager girls, though, because I'm yeah. got a girl and I'm in trouble. <laughs> oh, they're bitches. <laughs> they are. But they are. She's a cologne of me, so I'm like, ooh. <laughs> you're in you're in trouble yeah it's it uh, you know I used to be a, a, a teacher at TAFE and I taught cert forum diploma in disability and one of the things I want to read this out to you you know have you ever heard of welcome to Holland no I uh, I'll send it to you it's um it's the whole concept of it's a it's a it's a, a, a writing by Emily Emily Pearl Kingsley and it's about that, you know, when you're, you're getting, you're having a baby and you think everything's going to be perfect. You know, it's all my friends are having babies and we're going to have a baby club and, you know, we're all going to take our babies out for baby chinos and, you know, you, ha you have all these sort of um, idealistic fantasies about what it's going to be like. And I'll, let me read this out to you and, and my listeners are going to appreciate this too. And it's just, it's probably a few minutes, but just it's worth the, Worth the, um, the, 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 it's worth it. I'm often asked to describe the experience of raising a child with a disability to try to help people who have not shared that unique experience to understand it, to imagine how it might feel. It's like this. When you're going to have a baby, it's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy. You buy a bunch of guidebooks and you make your wonderful plans. The Colosseum, the Michelangelo David, David, the gondolas of Venice, you know, you may learn some handy phrases in Italian, and it's very exciting. After months of eager anticipation, the day finally arrives. You pack your bags and off you go. Several hours later, the plane lands. The stewardess comes in and says, welcome to Holland. Holland, you say, what do you mean Holland? I signed up for Italy. I'm supposed to be in Italy. All of my life, I dreamed of going to Italy. But there's been a change in the flight plan. They've landed in Holland and you must, there you must stay. The important thing is that they have, haven't taken you to a horrible, disgusting, filthy place full of pestilence, famine and disease. It's just a different place. So you must go out and buy new guidebooks. You must learn a whole new language and you will meet a whole new group of people you never, have, you never would have met. It's just a different place. It's, slow, slower pa it's slower paced than Italy, less flashy than Italy. 
But after you've been there a while, you catch your breath and you look around and you begin to notice that Holland has windmills. Holland has tulips. Holland even has Rembrandts. But everyone you know is busy coming and going from Italy and they're all bragging about what a wonderful time they had there. And for the rest of your life, you will say, yes, that's where I was supposed to go. That's what I had planned. And the pain of that will never, ever, ever go away because the loss of that dream is a very significant loss. I always boil at this point. Oh, I've <laughs> but, been tearing up the whole time. <laughs> uh, but if you spend your life mourning the fact that you didn't get to Italy, you may never be free to enjoy the very special, the very loving things about Holland. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, it's, it's actually spot on. It, it is spot on. Thank, and, you, you know, thank you so much for sharing that with me because, like, it, actually oh. I was just like, I feel like it's exactly what it is. And even when you were just saying about like the baby chinos, I still remember like I'd meet up with my friends because we all had babies and they'd all sit around with their coffees like around the table and I'd be grabbing Carter out and putting him down the slide and had to sit with him and I just wanted to sit and gossip with my friends and have a break and it just, it wasn't a break. So I just ended up not going out because it was like too hard, Mm. you know, and it's like I'd, and, and I still, to this day, I still, like, envy people that are, like, taking their kids on a plane. Like, I don't even know, like, I've called before and they have to put the wheelchair under the thing. Like, just everything's harder. Yeah. Everything. And, and, I think and that, I'm like, why me, you know? Yeah. I think that that sums it up in that that state, that line, and the pain of that will never, ever, ever go away because the loss of that dream is a very significant loss I think that you know we we if if you were to have a baby and it does have a disability you accept it and you love that baby with all your heart you know and and it's there but I think what often gets overlooked is the grief you know the, the grief of the loss of what I what I might have had do you know and it's and it's not like you say it's not like that baby is any less um loved or significant or beautiful it's it's the it's the fact that you're dreaming of an easy life, you know, of somewhat, because we yeah. all do. We all have these fantasies of what life should look like with a with a kid, you know, and, and it's it's hard. And I want people to hear yeah. that because I want people to realise that, that a kid with a disability is not less. It, it is just as much. That kid is exactly the same. But there are so many more things that have to be considered to keep that keep that baby just on track you know just to keep yeah. them upright so yeah yeah, yeah thanks for sharing that that's really good Definitely i'm gonna send good. it to you yeah look at me i'm a sniffly bloody no, i was like as soon as you started reading it i was like oh <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're allowed to cry on this podcast because i took all the bloody time but yeah. i wanted to share that with you and i will send that to you because i think it's pretty pretty poignant there's a further one that is about having a kid with autism and I, they were going it's it's like going to a, a really to a third world country where there is pestilence somewhere where people are trying to shoot you because that's yeah. even you know that's that's even harder with the meltdowns but when um when you found out about cerebral palsy, like were you did you did you did you sort of have these thoughts about how the hell am I going to do that? How the hell you know? Do I have the skills? Do I have the? Am I going to yeah. be a good mum? Well, I mean, I've, Ben was great, like my husband. So he, you know, he took time off as well, and we got straight into like chiropractor. Um, because she had a cerebral palsy son and she could pick straight away that he had it um, with his spasticity and dystonia and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I spent countless hours at night trying to find a cure, which there is none. Mm. Um, but surely there's got to be something. Um, so, you know, my husband, um, you know, dealt with it a lot. I don't know, I think I just put on like my mum cape and was like, I need to fix this problem. So, yeah. you know, like went to the bottom of the earth to find something. And we did. We found stem cell therapy in Bangkok. Yeah. Um, and we're pretty proud people um, and don't, like, ask for money or help or anything like that. But obviously, like, I was on um, maternity leave and didn't have any money and Ben was working. Well, he was home with me a lot, so he was, like, not really working. Um, so our friend made, like, a GoFundMe and um, the community just, like, was incredible absolutely incredible and this is before I was Jess from the makeup artist so I was still a makeup artist but you know I wasn't Jess 
from the makeup hubs that everybody knows and all the mm. business owner knows from Triple M. So, um, and I remember every single one of those people that helped me. And if, you know, if, if you scroll back on um, Carter's page, like, you know, we did, ta- they did tattoo days, we news come down, my nan shaved her hair, like we raised about 50 grand. Wow. Um, yeah. But, you know, with that, and it's, I just wanted to mention this, with a GoFundMe, you need to get, so it was 50 grand to go to Bangkok for a, for a month and it was stem cell therapy. But let me tell you, when we were fundraising for the, I think it was eight months, when I bought a coffee, I felt guilty about it. Yep. I just felt like people were like, oh, look at her with a coffee, but she's getting free money off everything. Like, I I don't think people were saying that, but that's how I felt inside. Um, and, like, I'm forever thankful for those people because, like, we just wouldn't have had, like, we we wouldn't we don't have 50 grand now to take him, but... Mm. Um, it was over there, you know, the Royal Children's Hospital um, advised against it, um, third world country, you know, there, you know, I just, Australia's got such strict rules about, you know, health that we're behind. Mm. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it took him at one, which in hindsight, I wish I had taken him a bit older, or like a bit older because, you know, he was one, but he was actually nine months old. Mm. Um, yep. Corrected, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so he... Um, they, you know, it was hard. It was intense therapy every day. Um, and then we, like, they injected him in the back with stem cells, um, which none of us were a match. So it was a donor as well. So, you know, they, like the Royal Children's were like, you know, what happens if that donor has, like, AIDS or something? Yeah. Um, and so then I'm like, you know, paid the, paid the money and was like, oh, what happens if I come back and he's got AIDS and I've made him even worse? Like, anyway, it was just all this stuff. Oh, but God. we went and it was incredible. Um, and we made some friends from Brazil. Um, so, yeah, we made some friends from Brazil. They, you know, we couldn't talk very well to each other and stuff like that. But their son, just, and I just want to say this because this story is crazy. Their son was in a wheelchair, tube fed, and he was, you know, kind of a vegetable. Um, and so I said, he was showing me photos of his son, like skating on a scooter, surfing. Wow. And I was like, and I was like is this this son? And he's like, yeah. He said, me and my son were in the Brazil Ocean surfing. He got struck by lightning at 11, lost oxygen to his brain, and that's how his son is. And then I sat there for a second and thought, and so he was 13 at that time, and I thought, gee, like people do have it worse off than me because, I mean, I don't know any different, but you've had your son telling like saying he loves you, eating sushi, surfing, and now he's in a nappy and you have to tube feed him. So, I mean, you know, we're still friends on Facebook and I still see that stuff, but I remember that story and I thought, I feel like that's worse than my story. Wow. I yeah. thought you meant I thought you meant that he started surfing and everything after the therapy. No. But, nah. oh, my God. See, when I used to teach disability, that was one of the questions I used to ask. Is it better to be born with a disability or to acquire a disability? And it, it created so much debate in the room. It's like, I don't know, because if you were already had a great life and then you became disabled for some reason, there's always that grief and loss, you know, I, I can't be who I was. But then if you're born with it, it's like I did, I never knew any different, but you still never had that chance to have all the other things. It's a, it's, yeah. it's a, one of those questions that we'll never know the answer to, but oh my God. Yeah, I, I feel like for, feel like for a parent being born with it is, would be my better option. Yeah. Like, I yeah. mean, imagine having them out of nappies and having them, you know, and then going back to a baby at that that age yeah. like would be because potentially you know and this is what I say all the time like no one has a baby to have a baby their whole life yeah. so regardless of how old Carter is he's still got baby traits I still have to change his nappy prepare his food dress him mm. and it's like you know there's this thing called caregiver like burnout burnout burner or whatever yeah. it is and it's like a thing and it's a thing like I've had it it's horrible you just that burnt out and it's just it's Groundhog Day every day. I and then, you know, I'm always a thinker in the future, like, is he going to be living here forever? Like, yep. you know, well, he is, isn't he? Well, he is unless you put him into a um, a care home and then for any parent, that's a, a an absolute 
that's a bloody nightmare, you know, to come to to have to face that. I mean, it, there's a point where you'll probably say, well, I'll, I'll put him in a respite if you don't already. But even even respite, you feel like you're betraying them. It's kind of like, you know, like that's exactly I, how you feel. Yeah, I'm doing the dirty. Yeah, and, I, and I've never and I've never done it. I've never put him and and all my support workers are like, oh, what about respite? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, putting him in a home with like other disabled kids so I can have a break. Like, I just can't. But yeah. I want. But I need to. I know. But I can't. And this is this is what people don't see. I think it's you know compassion fatigue, your caregiver fatigue, that sort of stuff that you're talking about. People don't see that, you know, because they, they only see you down the street having a coffee, you know, you're putting Carter in out of the high chair or whatever you're doing, you know, helping him with a coffee and they're kind of like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, that must be hard. And then they move on. You know, they, yep. they, they don't see that um, that constant, 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 and it's so freaking tiring. And, yes, you might get to a point where you're so exhausted you go, you know what, I, I'm just going to have to put him in respite for the weekend because I need a break. But I can tell you now, as you're saying, that sense of betrayal, and, and you wouldn't rest anyway, that, at least that first weekend if you ever did it, because you'd be constantly thinking, what are they doing to him? What, what's he doing? Is he, is he, does he feel like I betrayed him? What's he thinking? You know, does he think I'm not coming back? Mum guilt. It's the worst thing. Oh, yeah. I mean. There's the, nothing like it. Mum guilt is probably, I've never felt anything like mum guilt. And, yeah. I, and, to, and if I'm being honest, I would never put him in respite, like, for a weekend. I'd just pay a babysitter to come to our house. But, you know, it's funny when you were talking about having a break and stuff. So, like, me and my husband have been together since we were 15. And um, we, you know, we talk um, quite openly, civil, about, like, do you just want to break up and have every second weekend off so we can have a break? Yeah. Like, and just and just say, like, we just, did, we just didn't make it. Do you know what I mean? Like... 80% of um, marriages with a disabled kid, they don't make it. So we, we try and, like, you know, you know, our parents have the kids once a month so we can, like, kind of have a date night and stuff like that. But other than that, once a month, we're like ships in the night. Like, you know, he's, it's we get home from work, it's feed the kids, bath the kids, get the kids ready for bed, for bed, and then, you know, 7.30, they calm down and then Ben's like, oh, I'm off to bed. And then I'm up watching... Then, then I need my alone time, so I'm watching whatever till 11. Um, but, you know, we've seriously spoken about it because it's like it's just we need a break. I need, we need a break. But it's like, you know, it's like the NDIS gods as well. Like they're just people that tick and approve, but they don't live what we live. So yeah. it's the same with, you know, the Shires as well. Um, and yeah. they did put a thing up the other day saying, um, you know, we're looking for like someone to help with disability and someone to help with something else, someone to help with something else. So my mother in law actually enrolled, enrolled me because I spoke to Joe Corsi um, about the Druin Park um, and the Burke Street toilets because I was just, you know, and he said, you know, make some noise, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to sit at the table. That's what I want. Yep. And not to put everything down, just to be like, hey, the, so you did, yeah, one point. $5 million park at Druin, it's not disability friendly, but you've got a flying fox, the flying fox thing that everyone rides on, would you be able to get a hardest connection? Well, uh, that's it. Yep. Well, they're things, that people, they're things that people don't think about, and I think you no. do need to be at the table, you know, because things can't change unless you are at the table. So I reckon that's a fantastic opportunity if you can get in there. And, and, and besides, yeah. you can't be building, you can't be satisfying the needs of people with disabilities if there's not somebody at the table who is actually living that. So, yeah, um, yeah that would be good if you could do that. That would be good because um, and sometimes they're reluctant to put on people who were in there because they think they're going to be a squawk and maniac, do you, you know, but, yeah. but there's ways to have very, very functional conversations, you know, where, where it's win-win for everybody. So Correct, yeah, and it's funny because, like I said, I never thought my life would be trying to sit at a table at the Shire to talk about, you know, I've learned this in the past seven years. Like I had no idea about any of this stuff and yeah. it's just another world. Yeah. Honest. Yeah. When when I was um, you know, we talk about this being inclusion. You know, that's the big disability word. You know, inclusion, accessibility, and conclude and inclusion. 
And it's when I was teaching in Tape, and I've got another one to read you because I really I love these things. And these are the two things that I taught in this one unit that made me bore my bloody eyes out every single time. But here talking, we go again. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. It's it's I'm talking about inclusion and and you know, people are like um without disabilities. Well, how can I include people with disabilities or what do we need to do to include people? And I, I freaking hate that word. And I and I and it's because of this thing, right? Not because Listen to this and let me tell you, I'm on your side. Let, trust me, listen to this. Talking about inclusion, this a snippet out of here says, across this country, a definition of inclusion is offered. It is generally accepted that inclusion means inviting those who have been historically locked out to come in. This well-intentioned meaning must be strengthened. A weakness of this definition is evident. Who has the authority or right to invite others in? How did the inviters get in? Finally, who is doing the excluding? It is time we both recognise and accept that we are all born in. No one has the right to invite others in. It definitely becomes our responsibility as a society to remove all barriers which uphold exclusion since none of us have the authority to invite others in. Isn't that good? I love that because when we're talking inclusion, it's like, well, what do we need to do to make sure we can include people in our society? It's not our freaking society to include people who already exist in it. You know, it's it's Mm -hmm. our job not to exclude them. Do you know just to just to make sure that everything's equal and equal for everybody? Like that's not freaking hard. I don't think that's Mm -hmm. hard. It's not. Yeah, Ricardo went to a birthday party last week that. You know, he's and you know, like when he was going to school, I thought, oh, I hope he gets invited. Like, you know, and and he went and he did the rock climbing, and we bring an aid with us as well, so we pay an aid for an extra set of hands. Like, yeah. Ben took the kids because I was working, and um, it's. It, I remember we went to a party once, and it was at the pool, and we were like, oh, he loves water, so that's great. But what happened was, is we didn't bring the aid, so like, back. You know, all the parents are sitting down, conversations like, oh, how's the kids going at school? And Ben's in the pool with Carter. Yep. Because, you know, and like Ben didn't want to get in the pool, but he had to. So he, he missed. So we learned from that birthday party that when they do the pass the parcels and all that, so Ben would have to sit or I would have to sit around the pass the parcels. And, you know, you end up being with the kids the whole time. So when we bring an aid now, it's really, it's really helpful because. You know, they'll do the past parcels and, and, and the parents are just like, oh, my God, like, this aid's amazing, you know. Um, but, you know, he does get invited to parties and, you know, he did the rock climbing. We just, they held him up and um, everyone's go-karter. And, you know, I was out for coffee with um, a girl that we just met through the, through the kids and we'd never been out before and um, she got tears in her eyes and she said, because Carter got a test done when, like, a thing they get when they're seven and he's actually got a severe learning disorder as well so he's at a mainstream school um so they advised me at that meeting that he would probably be better off at the special school because they would have teach him more life skills and that just shook us to the core because first of all all our kids are at the same school now Mm. and the the school is the is doing the best they can for the wheelchair like for a wheelchair kids so they've just put a playground in and stuff like that and Mm. changed changed the way but this mum said to me had tears because she told her son, you know, Carter might be going to a special school. And he said, but why, Mum? He talks just like us and he, you know, he plays football, like soccer or whatever he does. Like they don't see, and this is the thing, they don't see the disability kids. Yeah. And it's funny because, and she said, we're so lucky to have him at that school because it creates awareness to our children for disability. So when they see a kid in a wheelchair, it's like, oh, look at that weird kid. Why is he, why, why is he different? Mm. And the world's changing with stuff like that. Yeah. Again, to us, we don't have anyone in our family with a disability. Mm. So, and, and now our nephew's got um, autism and Tourette's and Carter's in a wheelchair. Mm. So, and, and it's changed our family. Yeah. Our kids aren't looking at other people being like, well, why are they weird kind of thing. So, I mean, he definitely has the benefits of, and like the kid, the kids love him. Mm. You know what I mean? And yep. like yep. for a mum, it's like, oh, and you know, cerebral palsy pe- ki- like people, they have this like dry sense of humor. Yeah. So they're like <laughs> cheeky. Yeah. And they're real charismatic as well because they they have to be because for you to come to them. So, 
Um, and, you know, Carter knows how to play the field. Like he, you know, he's got a hit, like an armful of bracelets and they're from his girlfriends and stuff like that. But then you'll also have meetings about, you know, with the school and they're like, oh, you know, the peers are outgrowing him um, because they've kind of moved on and he's still kind of at that like blabbering baby stage. So, um, you know, Chase came home one day and it doesn't happen often, but he did come home one day and he said, oh, mum, Carter was crying today. And I said, oh, how come? And he said, oh, he didn't have anyone to play with. And have you ever watched that movie Wonder? With no, Julie Roberts? no, no. Okay, well, get your tissues and watch it. But no. I really, I really, I really like relate to that movie. So he's got like a face deformity and he goes to school and gets picked on and stuff like that. And what I got out of it was that the sister, you know, always came second best to the disabled kid because it was all about like, oh, are you okay? Did you do make friends? So I, what I, I try my best not to put a burden on my other kids. Um, but at this time he was like, oh, he was crying because he had no one to play with. And I snapped and was like, why didn't you play with him? And it's not his job to play with him. But I just, you know what I mean? So, and I had to like, I had to stop for a second and was like, you know, if, yeah, all right, well, you, you got your own life and friends as well. It's not your responsibility to play with him. But have a watch of it. It's such a good movie. Um, but so I said to the I said to the teachers, like, what happened that day? Like, you know, he was so upset he didn't want to go to school the next day. And she said, oh, well, um, you know, he the, the, his peers have outgrown him, basically. And here we are thinking he's the cool kid at school with 100 braces up his arm and, you know, everything's peachy and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, I mean, and again, like, and I wrote about it the other day about the places and stuff. So, you know, there's got, like it's got a use-by date on it. Yeah. I can't take him to the play centre when he's 15 or 10 or whatever because he's too heavy. Mm. So right now we'll take him to inflatable room, we'll chuck him over our shoulder and we'll have to climb up and hope we don't drop him. And, like, he's had a couple of drops, so he's pretty, pretty sick of steel. So he's, you know, and but he's like, I want to go again, I want to go again. So... And we get messages from random people all the time about, oh, you know, um, you're so inspiring. You always, you know, make, you know, him look involved and, like, make him not feel left out and do the best. If I'm being honest, it's easier for him to stay at home and put him on an iPad. Yeah. But we try not to and I feel like our time's running out because you won't be able to go there one day, you know, yeah. when that's – I never actually realised that till we were there the other day. But another thing I wanted to mention too is, and, and this is probably my, myself, but, you know, sometimes we'll go to Gumbaya World just with the two kids and Ben, and that's because Carter doesn't want to come. So we always say, come on, Gumbaya World. What kid doesn't want to go to Gumbaya World? He wants to go to his nan. So he loves his nans, goes to his nans every Friday night, and if he can, you know, he, we started toilet training him, and every time he went to toilet, he got to go to his nan. So you know he's been toilet training. <laughs> but, but when we're at Gumbaya World and we get that family photo of the four of us and post it on Facebook, I instantly think, oh, I hope, I wonder if people think, oh, look, they left the wheelchair kit at home because it's too hard. He doesn't want to go. Yeah. You know, he doesn't want to come. So sometimes he wants to, but other times he's more, like his gun by world is his nans with his iPad. That's what he <laughs> likes to do. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's hard, but, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, for, like I said before, people just see you as a as a mum with a kid with a disability, and oh, she does a good job. But it the stress is it just doesn't stop. You know, it doesn't end. It's like, what will people think? What should I do? What's the future going to hold? How am I going to do this? Oh shit, that's going to run out soon. Oh my god, you know now he's now he's, we've got to move schools. Maybe you, you know now now what am I going to do about? And and I think that it it's. I mean, the thing I really want to get through this. I mean, you've got different aims to me probably, but what I want to get through is that have a bit of kindness towards families with disability because we'll have a lot of kindness, not a bit, because it's it's a tough bloody gig. It's a it's a really tough gig. And it's it's all these things you worry about that most people are not worrying about, you know, and they they compound and they build, they build up and build up and then, and the, well, then you snap at somebody, do you, you know, but it's not, it's not about that. It's just, you should, it's such a hard slog day in. I, I wrote this thing a while back and it was like, while well, you're taking your kid to like ballet classes or soccer classes, I'm taking my, my kid to therapy, therapy, yeah. um, you know, when you're, you know, getting that photo of the siblings in the bath together, you know, that everybody's got, like, I don't get I don't get to get a photo of the twins sitting up together because Carter can't sit on his own. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's so many things. When you're, like, catching up with a girlfriend at the park and the kids are running free, like, 
you know, when I'm booking, I just booked a thing at the art center. I can't just book any seats. I've got to call and like say, hey, can you get the wheelchair access seats? And when I want to go on an airplane, I have to, I can't just book a jet star flight, like a cheap one. I have to like ring them and then they have to like put the plane, put their wheelchair under the plane. And then like, then how do I get him from the, from there to the, on the plane? Like, do you supply a wheelchair? Well, you can't sit in one that doesn't have harnesses. And oh, it's just like, you know, when we go to a birthday party, I need to organize an aid for that. Or, you know, just when he, you know, when he goes to birthday party, I also have to bring like an extra chair for him to sit in. Or, mm. you know, we've been, we've bought a caravan up at Woodside and before we bought it, we had to like go around Woodside and there's like this big like swamp area that if he got, if he found where it was and went in it, he would drown. So, you know, I had to tell the park guys, hey, do you reckon you could put a fence up or something? Like um, just even the house modifications, like for the wheelchair, like, you know, he's, he's Nan's moving into a new house and renovating the house for wheelchair friendly. Mm. So, you know, my my mum, you know, will invite us to our Nan's for Christmas. There's stairs on the way up. There's no really supportive seating. So at, we're, we're at the point now, no, we, we, won't, we won't be there because it's like taking his legs off him for the day yeah. if we take him out of his chair. Yeah. So I'm quite, I'm quite strong about that now. So... Um, all our house is like disability friendly and um, and uh, look, I've got some great family that, you know, will organise a party at a park and message me and say, hey, it's disability friendly. Yeah. But, you know, and, it, and, it, and it's crazy because I never looked at a disability friendly shop or place ever until I had a kid in a wheelchair. And so, I mean, not only to not only to families but to business owners, if you can just change your, like, teeny tiny bit like the little ramps up first of all it's so embarrassing if we go to a place and it doesn't have a thing for him well for you for the business but also for him because I feel like and it's probably me again I feel like he feels like a burden to us yeah so we over we went to the cinemas in Warrigal and you know the stairs there and they were lovely and it wasn't their fault but the battery had broken into the um thing I actually wrote about it and um so we went to go see this movie and we were waiting at the bottom of the wheelchair and they're like, oh, we're really sorry. Like the, the guy hasn't come down from code because of the ring of steel like, and the and the lift's not working. So, so sorry, Carter, I'll have to take your wheelchair back to the car. And luckily he was at a size where we could flog, like carry him up the stairs. Mm. But then he doesn't sit in the, the, you know, the seats well and moves around and stuff like that. But it's it's every little thing. We do, we have to think about is it disability friendly before we do it. Where any other person would go, jump in the car, let's go to the movies, and it, nothing's an issue. Yeah. And so it's not it's, about it's not about crying poor either. You know, poor me, you should feel sorry yeah. for me. It's not about that. No. It's just about it's just about raising that awareness so that people can have that empathy and, and a bit more understanding, you know, that that oh shit, it's not that easy. And you know, and 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 just to help you, like you say, you know, your friends saying this is a disability park, you know, that sort of stuff. That that stuff's very bloody helpful but oh and it's so nice like it makes me feel like people care as well you know like that they take the time to make sure they organize something that you know you know is inclusive even though we don't like that word but and you know there was and this is there's another example of a birthday party we had this this roller skating ring and it was the first one he'd ever got invited to at school and so I was like well that's perfect because they can like roller skate and he'll be able to wheel around and they had like ramps and I was like, oh, well, I won't, I won't helicopter him. I'll just like stand back. And um, so he went over the ramp and he was like having the best time of his life. And then he went over the ramp and flipped his wheelchair. And all the mums and kids come over and I just, I just started bawling. I just started, I just, and I started crying and then he got all upset and then he's like, I want to go home. And I just thought, I sat, at, I remember sitting at that cafe table thinking, fuck, like, I thought he was going to have a really good day today. Yeah. And now he's the weird kid that fell out of the wheelchair. And it was honestly, it, it was another stab to the heart. Yeah, and and it's just constant, isn't it? And it's just this constant worry about what's it going to be in the future. How, you know, how we how can we stop that from happening? But you can't, you know, and, and it's just this 
How do you how do you 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 work full time at Triple M and you've got you own the makeup hub like you you know my god how do you how do you even fit those things in with all this other stuff you've got going on? So now the kids are at school, it's a little easier. And I didn't work till they were like three and a half. And then they did um, like daycare two days a week. Um, I just really needed to, I started at Triple M four years ago. I needed to, I needed to get out of the house and I needed to have a conversation with adults. Um, so I was yeah. really like, I don't know if it's postnatal or whatever it was, but um, I'm like a bit of, I'm a workhorse. So I'm, you know, some people are born to be mums. Like they've just that's they're just so good at it. They're like cooking muffins and whatever, and and I try my best to be the, the best mum I can. But I also like need to work. Like I need to not be a stay at home mum. Like I can't handle being a stay at home mum. For being honest, so coming to work for me is a break. Um, and uh, so I've always done makeup for fourteen years, and then I worked at Triple M, um, and then was able to open the makeup hub um, from working at Triple M. And then COVID hit. Yep. <laughs> so I was actually leaving. I was actually leaving Triple M July that COVID hit. So open makeup hub in October. COVID hit in March. Hundred percent of product uh, profits gone. Zero. Yep. Um, nothing from the government at the first at, at the first half. So I had to stay at Triple M to pay for the makeup hub. Um. So with that though, being at Triple M. Being in this sales role where I sell like advertising and stuff like that, um, you know, you re- make really great relationships with your clients and stuff like that. And you become, I'm the, I'm the person to call for advertising. So people call me and they're like, hey, I got your number, blah, blah, you did such a great job. So I've dug, and, dug the trenches here more now. Um, so I've got an incredible boss here now at Triple M, um, really, you know, really flexible with working mums. Um, uh, don't get me wrong. I like do my job. Like I do my job. So if it affects my job, then it would probably be yeah. different. But um, flexible, uh, knows about Carter. You know, nothing's an issue when it comes to it. So if I didn't have that, I would probably leave here. Um, but I really like my job, and I really like um, like my boss. I think he's such a like. I've never had a boss like him that's so flexible and that kind of stuff. So that's what makes me stay here. The makeup hub. I've got. A, um, I've got Emily, so she's like the two I see. So without her, the makeup hub wouldn't run. Mm. So if she decides, and you know, she won't be there forever. She'll go off and do, you know, film makeup and stuff like that. And and, and we're very like, open about that. Um, and when she does leave, then I will leave here and go there full time. And, and my boss here knows that too. So, um, so I work there by appointment um, and weekends, and um, you know, mainly Saturdays I work there. Um, but I will do some late nights and stuff like that. But I've been able to build the business up where it can run, you know, train Emily up so she's a mini me. Um, but with that, with having both businesses, I'm just like know everybody all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> so I know he's a business owner from Triple M, but then from the makeup hub, everyone knows me as well. So I feel like I know a lot of people now. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it is a lot. Um, ben is a big support. Um, so he's got his own business as well. Ben knows that I need to be a better mum, I suppose. I need to an outlet, like I need to go work or do makeovers and stuff like that. So when I do spend time with the kids, like we're going to Melbourne for this, I've got the weekend off, we're going to Melbourne for the weekend and, you know, doing all the play centres and whatever else you do in Melbourne. So um, the time that we do spend, like, with the kids as a family is, like, a really wholesome time. So, um, and, you know, I finish work at five and, you know, have the nights with the kids um you know have Wednesdays so I took Chase out the other day and we went to the just me and him day and and he you know he loved that um and I asked Carter do you want a mum and Carter day and he said yeah can we just stay at home and get KFC <laughs> <laughs> I was like we don't want to do anything else <laughs> nah that's all thanks I was like, okay. uh, so here's, here's the thing and I say this a lot he's a happy kid but I'm a sad mum yeah yeah. Yep. And it's a cost, isn't it? For for him to be happy, the cost yeah. is on you. And it's um yeah. which which is what you would choose, you know, what a what mm-hmm. a what a good mum would choose, but there's also that burnout, you know, that you just gotta 
really manage. Isn't it amazing though that you know most people leave because of a bad boss, you leave work, and you you've got a good one, and Emily's got a good one, and do you, you know like it's yeah. like, you're talking about being surrounded by the right people and that. Correct. That's where you and your your mum, you know, that's where you can find these gaps, you know, to breathe. And it's um, you know, there are a lot of people out there with uh, kids with disabilities that don't have that, you know, and and yeah, oh, you know, you know, what a hard thing to do. I've absolutely loved this. I've got a question about cerebral palsy for you. Um, before you said there's different types and different, you know, some people in wheelchairs and some have got spasticity of their arm and others are, you know, this sort of stuff. What, what do you think people need to know about cerebral palsy? Because most people have got their own idea of what it is. So what do you want people to know about it? So cerebral palsy is a, like, a brain um, issue that doesn't send the message to the brain. So when I'm, like, move my hand, my brain's telling it to move. So his uh, message from his brain to his legs won't get there, if that makes sense. Yep. Carter is a normal kid. Like, he will swear, he will count, he will sing, he will... Like he's got his favorite, you know, what Minecraft or whatever he's into. He's just a normal kid. His body lets him down. Um, but what I will say is um, if you could educate your kids from a small age, sit them down one night, say people are different, um, because because they are different. They don't want to be treated differently, 100 percent Don't treat them differently, but they are different. Because what's super awkward is when we go to anywhere and the mum's there and the kids are like, what's wrong with him? And he hears that and then he feels like he's he's weird. So, um, and, and you know, we're not offended by it, but I'll, I'll never forget I was at Phillip Island at the park and a kid came up and said, I feel sorry for him. And he was like, the kid was like seven. I feel sorry for him because he can't play around the park like me. And I was just like, oh. Mm, yeah. Because um, I don't want you to feel sorry for him. I just want you to educate your kids that, you know, this is, he still wants to, Come play basketball and he just plays it in his own way you know yeah um so that yeah that's what i that's what i'd love to get out the message out is just educate your kids um so that they don't grow up calling kids retards yeah or leaving kids out or picking on kids because they're in a wheelchair or they're different or they've got Tourette's or anything yeah you know, there's so many disabilities that people don't educate it about yeah and rather than disabilities, I like to call them differabilities with an F. Yes, you know, that's a good just, one. It's bloody different. Everyone's just different, you know. And, and the other thing too that um, I've seen a lot of in my time with people with cerebral palsy in a wheelchair is that people um, bend over and, and talk, talk down to them like they're babies and they use baby language and often they will yell at them and I, and like raise their voice and how are you today you know and I think for fuck's sake they are not deaf you know the the signal as you said the signal from their brain is not telling their muscles to move and all that kind of stuff they're not deaf and in very few people with cerebral palsy actually have an intellectual disability it's very rare that cerebral palsy People with cerebral palsy have an intellectual disability. So don't speak to them like a baby because what's inside that head is the same as all of us. It's just the body that's leaving there. So please don't stand over a wheelchair and yell at somebody and treat them like a baby. Just say to people, stand up straight and just say to people, hi, how are you going? You know, how are you today? And if they don't respond, then maybe you can then start to lessen your communication to a lower level. But you know what? Fuck. Just say, treat everybody as if all's good, you know. And Yeah, a lot of people do that. It's funny you say that. They do They do, do that. Yeah. And, um, like, even parents will be like, oh, look, look at it. Like, look, like it's a zoo animal. Like, yeah. Just a kid in, like, you know, change your words. Be like, oh, look at his cool wheels. Yeah. And, wow. and also and you also said don't talk to the bloody carer you know oh you must be proud of him you know oh look at him yeah how do you dress yes. him yes don't just say to the kid geez i love your groovy pants do you know that just yeah. say that kind of stuff and yeah to stop stop asking the carer all the time like as if the person's a third person not even there sitting yeah not even there so i i hate that stuff so I'm bloody fantastic. I, I, I love this. This has been a fantastic conversation. Um, I am fantastic, even though I said that wrong. But anyway, um, <laughs> there are a lot. You are. 
Uh, there's going to be, um, I love me get off the bench question. There's going to be people listening to this um, who, well, maybe, I hope, or know someone who are in a similar situation and they're feeling, which happens a lot in disability, lost, alone, frustrated, unsupported, all that stuff. What do you want to say to them? <sighs> I mean, get support. I'm on the cerebral palsy um, parents page. I just wrote a post the other day saying, what do you get your eight-year-old when the other eight-year-old gets a bike, you know, um, and and they feel you. know what, what I will say is no one understands what we're going through unless you're living it. Yeah. So, you know, if you need to reach out, like send Carter's page a message, like I have lots of people message me about like how do you do it and, oh, I'm going through this stage and who do you see and stuff like that. So we're like... You are, you are the only one, but I will say something that's help, helped me is make, take some time for yourself. Yeah. And as much as, I don't know, again, it's maybe in my head, but I do feel like people think, oh, well, she's always out, you know, even my mum made a comment about, well, you're always out doing something. <laughs> um, so I need to, um, so I need to, like, explain to people that I'm always out doing something for my mental health yep. so I can so I can be a good mum because, there's some days that I actually don't know how I'm going to continue this life, you know, with like when he's older, like I stress about it. That's the most thing I stress about at night. So, um, you know, take every day as it comes, I suppose. I know the years go, uh, the days go long, but the years go quick. So yeah, I've noticed. Yeah. So it feels like the days drag, but then they're eight in October. Yeah. So yeah, that's so true. Yeah. So and the big big message in that is just find other people to talk to, actually understand it because you're not alone. I know people feel alone because they feel trapped. You know, it's like I'm spending all my time looking after this kid, you you know, and I can't get out. Yeah. But just find those connections out there because you're not alone. There are other people. There are other people in the same same situation that. And ask for help as yeah. well. So like I'm like I said, I'm quite proud, but I mean. I've, I've, I've had to say, look, I'm, I'm, I need help. Like I need, you know, I need yeah. a night off or something like that. And I feel, and it's taken a long time to do that, but I come back the next day refreshed and like a better mum. Yeah. Instead of a, instead of a burnt out mum. Yeah. And that's much better for all the kids, you know, not just Carter, but the, all exactly. the kids. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and much better for you. You just, just because you've given birth to a kid with a disability doesn't mean you deserve a shit life. Do you know, you're allowed to have Absolutely. a happy life. You're as good as possible. You're allowed to have good mental health. You're allowed to have good self-care. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. And a- the thing is, is at the start, I had a shit life. Yeah. Because it was driving up to Cranbourne every day for the oxygen chamber. It was real It was and it, that's all it was. It was just, mm. and this is the thing people don't know. If they know me now, they think, oh, well, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they might judge that, I don't know. I don't know if they do. But, I mean, for the first four years of his life, my whole life was Carter. Yeah. And since I've broken away from that and done stuff for myself, I'm in a lot better place as yeah. well. Yeah. So. And it doesn't have to be, it does have to be sacrifice at when it when it needs to be sacrificed, but it doesn't have to be a hundred percent sacrificed. Right. So yeah, well, yeah. A, unless there's a an issue going on for a number, you know, like the oxygen tank, like that's an yeah. that has to be a sacrifice because you can't yeah. not do it. But yeah, now, well, Jess, I've absolutely loved this. I really hope we've um t- you know together raised some awareness for people with disabilities and you know you know just got people thinking a little bit more. Geez, I never thought of that. You know, gee, next time I see someone, I'm going to be. I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna approach that differently. Do you know just just if we've opened up some different thoughts, I, I think that's fantastic. And you please keep being an advocate because you're a bloody passionate yeah, one. Thank you. Now, people, where can people find you? Um, so Carter's got a page called Carter's Crew, and he's spelt with a K. Um, so we've been um, he's had that page since he was born, and we we're fundraising. Um, so you know, I'll just put man, now that he's getting older, it's more about and we're not fundraising; it's more about like advocating so in august we're actually going to napa center which is like intense therapy um so we'll be doing an, each day what it's like so day one he screamed all day it was horrific day two do you know what i mean so hopefully day one doesn't happen but um i really want to like share um the nitty-gritties of it and i do share like the bad and the good and i'm very raw and i do it because i um it helps me cope. I don't even care 
what I like people write about it or underneath it or anything like that. Once I've written it and it's out, it's I feel better. So that's why I continue to do so. Obviously to create awareness too, but you know, there's there's some things on there that I'm it's just it's helped me get get it over. Yeah, but people need to see the truth anyway, you know, enough enough of this Instagram bloody, you know, everything's (laughs) bloody perfect because none of us have got bloody perfect lives. So just, you know, we haven't. And everyone thinks everyone else has got a better life and that's a lot of bullshit, you know. Instagram's really, really, you know, deceiving for people. It is. Absolutely. So, yeah, you won't find any Instagram on my um on Carter's page, it's all it's all real, real shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. So there's Carter's page, but there's also um, the Gippsland Makeup Artist, so the Makeup Hub of Gippsland, and there's also Makeup Hub on um, Facebook as well. So um, I'd love people to follow you on both of them because oh, thank you. Know, you. you know, you, Carter's Carter's crew is important, and this is what we're talking about. We're talking about disability at the same time um, for you to feel great and for you to you know be able to feel great to be a great mum to give him the best you need the makeup hub to succeed as well because oh, thank you you, know, yeah. you you that's that what that's what fills you up and when you're yeah. full you're going to make him full so you know yeah. if people can support you on both um i think that's bloody fantastic so when am i doing your makeup <laughs> you gotta get makeup on this face <laughs> i feel like we need to record it and just do it for fun <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, maybe we can organise that. But yeah. <laughs> I'll be I'll straight out the car. I'll scratch it off. <laughs> oh, no, you do a bloody fantastic job. I know a lot of people who do use you, and um, you know, do a bloody fantastic. They 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 are they're kind of like screaming fans, you know, about you. Uh, yeah, it's. I think it's you. it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's so nice to hear. Honestly, it's you know, you just feel like. You put stuff out there on the makeup hub, like you know, I talk on the stories, and I'm like, does anyone even does anyone even listen? Like, but they do. They do. And I find it so like interesting because again, I'm very straightforward on there too. Too. So, like, if I have a product and I think it's shit, I'll say it's shit. Yeah. Um, I'm not you know sugarcoating anything on there either, but I mean, I find it so um like it makes my soul happy that like people care what I say and like they they take my recommendations. Yeah. And they, yeah, they they care. Like, and we've, like I've made really great friends out of the makeup hub as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's great what Instagram like can do. And look, I think the, I think the thing is too. Um, you never know who's watching, and I've noticed this a lot. You know, like I, I sometimes don't get any reactions. You, you know, to to some of the podcasts and. And yet, then I will get messages or I'll, I'll bump into people. Gee, I love that. I love that yeah. episode with so-and-so. And I'm like, I didn't know you. You know, nobody, yeah. nobody. So I, I think this whole likes and business and reactions and all that kind of shit is just shit and don't even do it. I think I think what you put out there, you put out there for the right intention and yeah. you, you just let the universe take care of it. Do you know, if you're sitting there yeah. watching all the metrics, that's not the reason to be putting stuff out. And I just think put stuff out, let the universe deal with it and, I know from firsthand so many people have come back to me and, and my metrics would not tell the same story as what's truly happening out in the yeah. world. So Yeah, you're right. I get inboxes too. Yeah. yeah about I really like that. I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah, and, you, and, and I mean like I love those messages. Like someone sent me one this morning saying, <clears throat> you know, I know Carter from school or whatever. I just want to say you do an incredible job. I've just come across his page, blah, 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 blah. But you know, it's so nice because I'm like, oh, well, I'm no, no one, like, not everyone's laughing about me writing about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So. And sometimes you don't know because I didn't know. I didn't know. You know, I knew you from the makeup hub. Yeah. And my, my partner, Nikki, said, oh, you need to follow Carter's group. Like, she's always she always telling me who I've got to follow because yeah. I'm, I'm not a scroller. And, she, yeah. and, and I said, oh, who's Carter's crew? And then I looked and I said, is that is that just from the makeup hub? Like, and I said I didn't even know yeah. she had a, a kid with cerebral palsy. Yeah. Lots of people don't. No, they so, don't. And that, yeah, that's, that's why I reach out. You know, like yeah, yeah, let's do yeah. this. You know, because yeah. if yeah, you just don't know. You just don't know. And my therapist, because I've been seeing a therapist, and he's like a hypnotherapist, and you know, he said to me, "Oh, you're a very impressive young lady. You know, like you've got the makeup hub and you do this and do that." Yeah. And he said to me, um, "You know, we've been working on like." things to help me with coping and stuff like that but he did say to me and and he and he was it was true he said you know you're just from the makeup hub and it's like oh guys like blah, blah, blah. and he's like but then what what are you like behind closed doors yeah 
Mm. And like, yeah, it's not like Instagram stories yeah. all yeah. the time. So, and when he said that, you know, you never think of it, but when he said it, I was like, Ooh. You know. <laughs> yeah. but it's so true and I think we've yeah. got to put our true selves out there I, I do yeah. you know and it's um not to be stabbed if you would get stabbed we, we do like well that's what people do do you, you know but, yeah. but I give he gives a fuck about those people like really yeah. if we're changing if we're putting stuff out there and it's changing someone's life you know and it makes up makes the world better because somebody now feels better then that's what we should do, do you, we right. should just care for everybody but anyway I have loved this. I've absolutely loved Me it, too. and um, can't wait to can't wait to chat more. We will be chatting more over the yeah. over this t- over the time anyway. But I've absolutely loved it. So um, I want people to go follow you, and thank you so much for sharing your your truths and your heart. And it's really appreciated. Thanks for having me. My absolute Good pleasure. <laughs> My pleasure. All right, catch you soon. Okay, thank you. <laughs> See ya. Oh, guys, now that was a great conversation. I think the world of disability is still very much overlooked, um, and particularly the world of carers. And it's a it's a bloody difficult thing to be particularly you know, having a kid with a disability. But it's as I read in that that thing about welcome to Holland. It's it's just a different world, you know, and. We have all these ideas. Magazines probably make it worse. You know, all these perfect kids and perfect little dates out with the babies with the baby chino and everything else. And that's what we expect. And that's what we sort of step into when we're having a baby. Not that I know. I haven't even had one. But I I've certainly do know I'm, a, I've got a, I'm an auntie of a lot of kids. But it's kind of like, you know, I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to hang out with all my friends with babies and everything else. And when a kid with a disability arrives, it really, really does throw you into chaos. And we've got to be a lot more empathetic towards people who are caring for a disability, someone with a disability. And we've also got to be a lot more empathetic towards people with a disability. And, you know, inclusive doesn't mean inviting them in. Inclusive means making sure that they're not excluded, just making sure that, that you know, they're, they are valued as a person and that they can see that you value them as an equal contributing member to society. A disability does not stop them from being a very, very, very great contributor to their family, to the society, to friendships and all that kind of stuff. So what's under what you see is a very real person who deserves love, respect, kindness and everything else. So I really hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, Please go follow Jess on the Makeup Hub of Gippsland and also Carter's crew, Carter with a K, on Instagram. And I'm going to put them in the show notes, as I always do. And I really hope you got something valuable out of this and I really hope that just one little thing we might have talked about today has just given you a little bit of shift in perspective and uh, that there can be more kindness in the world. So that's it from me and thanks for joining me again and I'll see you next week. See ya. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope this episode inspired you. If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com, tinker around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode. Just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.